Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, I'm going to need more than my daily bread to get through all this mess. Bills, bills, and more bills. Here's the cable bill. Yeah, we had to have every channel available to man, plus the football package. Yep, yep. Oh, it's a cell phone bill. Terrific. It's not enough that they make you buy a new phone just about every year. You can't possibly survive without unlimited minutes. Oh. Here's the bill for the new computer. Got to have the latest laptop. Got to have that. Yep. Then the new car bill. Oh, yes, here's a good one. Still paying for our trip to Italy last year. Yep, that was a great idea. Wasn't even our most expensive vacation, was it? Nope. Remember that trip to Wyoming? Yeah, that was a good idea. Hey, we'll get to see Mount Rushmore and Devil's Tower and Yellowstone Park and the surgical unit at West Park, West Park Hospital in Cody, Wyoming. Yeah, that was a great idea. $23,000. Oh, Lord, yeah, terrific idea. Oh, well, hey, insurance is going to cover almost 16000 That leaves me uh, only seven or 8000 Yeah, yeah, terrific. Where am I going to get the money to pay for all of this? Lord, I need a miracle. Get away from me, Satan. Oh, I know it's tempting to think that all I need to do is, is cut back on my offerings to you, Lord. And, but I know from experience that that isn't what you meant when you said you will supply my need. You cemented that idea in, in tearing us years ago when we were young and just starting out and Terry was pregnant with Michael and I was out of work for almost a year. That was a fun experience. But you showed us, Lord, that if we remain faithful in our giving to you, both in our ministry time and, and our money, Lord, that that was the only way out of our circumstances. And you were faithful, Lord. You supplied our every need. Lord, we, we relied on you for everything. And despite having almost nothing, Lord, we were filled with joy. Oh, Lord, how do you put up with us? You helped us out of that mess so long ago, and, and now here I am again, drowning in a sea of bills, despite having a great job you supplied me with. And all that, Lord, because I keep falling into the trap of chasing after the latest and best of everything, Lord, that never really satisfies. I mean, I... I thought we'd be so happy with the new car and the, and the trips and, and all the other stuff. And where's the joy? There's no joy. All I get is, is stress, worrying about how am I going to pay for all of this? Help me, Lord. 
Teach me again, Lord, to stop chasing after the newest and the greatest, the stuff that never satisfies. Help me, Lord. Help me to find my joy, Lord, in, in what you supply. Show me, Lord, that true satisfaction only comes in trusting you and your daily provision to us, our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. We are in a series of messages entitled, Teach Us to Pray. And I want to tell you, no matter how you begin this new year, what goals you have set, the greatest goal that you can ultimately put at the top of that list is, Lord, deepen my prayer life with you. Make that priority one. Seek him first, the Bible says, and he will take care of everything else. And oftentimes, we can think of prayer in all the wrong ways. Prayer can be reduced down to nothing more than our great wish list, the things that we just really want God to come through on. You know, Amazon makes wish lists. Prayer isn't a wish list. For others, prayer is just a a hope out there that someone will hear and deliver on something. For others, prayer is a way of trying to manipulate this far-off God into finally turning and paying attention. All those ideas are still in the world today around prayer. And guess what? They were here for thousands of years. In the time of Jesus, when he walked this earth, people had all different ideas about what prayer really was. But his followers, who saw that there was something different about Jesus, you know what it was for me? It would have been how like people that were um, sick were healed and people who couldn't see could see. And then even eventually, a guy who was dead was raised to life. I'm thinking, I want to know what you know. I want to follow you. And I want to I experience whatever it is that you have come to talk to me about. And so Jesus starts to gain all of these followers as he is walking and performing miracles. And we talked some about that last week. But as he continued on with his followers, eventually he has asked this question. Because they see not just the way that he healed, They see the way that Jesus spends time with God, the way that he goes and secludes himself and prays. And at one point in time, his disciples asked him that literal question, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, this is how you should pray. And he gave us a model for prayer. We find it here in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. We also find it in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. Today, if you have your Bible, you could open with me there and you can see this verse, this one line as we get into Jesus' prayer, the prayer that he teaches everyone that would follow him, you and me included. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Lord Jesus, teach us what this means Help it to become alive in our hearts. Help your word to illuminate our path, Lord God. Help us to understand not just how to know what this means, but how to live it out. In your name we pray, amen. Give us this day our daily bread. Something that stands out as you read through this prayer from the beginning is the way that it begins. It doesn't begin focused on the individual that's praying. It begins focused on who? Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven, not a far-off God in heaven, but a close Father who loves you, 
whose name is holy and set apart, whose kingdom is powerful and cannot be shaken. And we are called to first and foremost pray to him, lift up his name, pray that his kingdom would come and that his will would be accomplished on this earth. How many know that God's will is more important than your will if you're a follower of Jesus? I didn't hear enough people agree with me here. Okay, I got a couple here. The real, the real Christians are right here. I'll say it again. God's will is more important than our will. That's what we say when we pray that. His will is more important than our will. And so we don't say, my kingdom come, my will be done. We don't say, your kingdom come, but my will be done. We say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we pray that and we live that way also. But after we get through this part of the prayer, it now turns completely. And now the Lord instructs, he says, now come to your heavenly father, who is also your king, who has power to heal, power to provide, power to do all of that, and come to him and pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. What does that mean to pray that kind of prayer? What does it mean to say those words, church? Because I want to tell you something. The people that were sitting around Jesus, some of them, they were fishermen. And as Jesus is standing there by the sea, some of them are, are literally waiting on a, 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 day's, a day's portion of food, maybe. They don't know how, if they don't get a good catch, they'll be able to live past the week. But many of them, by and large, the, the thousands that were watching and listening to Jesus that day, the millions since then, the billions of people that have lived on this earth, many who have followed Christ and have prayed these words, they have never truly had to live in a place where they have said, I don't know where today or tomorrow's meal is coming from. I don't know where my next meal is going to be. And I know that no matter what you have been through in this life, I knew that there was a season in my life growing up. My parents got divorced my mom was a single mom. She was working hard, trying to provide. It was very difficult. There were times that we were struggling to pay the bills. But I want you to know something. There was never a time that there wasn't some food in the house. Maybe it's because part of my family was Italian, and there was just always food. But I just believe that. I'm going to make some parents cringe right now, but I'm going to say these words that you hear, and it's like nails on a chalkboard. Do you ever hear this? Someone storms in. It's probably one of your children or maybe a spouse. There's no food in this house. And you're like, what about all the leftovers from like the five meals we ate this week? Oh, no, no, that's old food. I need some new manna. Some new food today. Well, what about the soup? What about this? What about that? What about the frozen? No, 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 none of that. I need some good. I'm going out to the, to the restaurant. I'm going to the store. There's no food in this house. Yeah, some of you are getting real convicted right now because someone's staring at you. They're looking at you right now. They're nudging you. Sorry, Mandy. Mandy's at home sick. You know I say that sometimes. We say that. Whenever we say that, we don't really mean that. We've never, we've never, probably many of us in a room this size, there could just be maybe a handful of people that would walk through our church today that you've literally been in a place that you're like, I don't know where the next meal's coming from. Maybe I don't know where the next rent check's coming from. I don't know where the next bill's coming from, but that your next meal. I have had the opportunity to meet people that have been in those circumstances going to third world countries 
and seeing people that have to pray that very way, like, Lord, give me today. <laughs> give us today just another meal to get by. I don't know how my children are gonna eat. I don't know how they're gonna find clean water that isn't gonna make them sick. Like, give us today, Lord, our provision, our portion. And so what does it mean for us today Right here in Scotch Plains, in this surrounding area, northern New Jersey, in the United States of America, living the lives that we live, what does it mean that we would pray, give us this day our daily bread? Does it mean because we have no need for that that we shouldn't pray for that? Should we just cut this verse out, this part of the prayer out? Should we move on to whatever's next? Because we have provision. We have monthly bread. We have a paycheck that comes in. We have this down pat. Maybe we said, give me shelter. Maybe it said, give me, you know, but, but does this really apply to us today? It's a question that we should have to answer from God's word, church. Because you say, sure, it's God's word. But some of us, we live as though it has no relevance to us whatsoever. So what does it mean to pray? Give us this day our daily bread. We look in God's word about how we are called to live our lives. And there's wisdom in God's word. Does anyone know who the Bible believes to be maybe the wisest man that ever lived? Solomon. In the book of Proverbs, we find some great wisdom in chapter 30, verse eight. And here's what it says. It says, keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is my portion. And so what he says, because he was also very wealthy, but he learned a lot. And if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you'll learn that he learned a lot during his life about where true meaning, true happiness, true joy, true contentment comes from. And he said, chasing after that's like chasing after the wind. And so here's what he says. Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches. And as we look throughout the church and we look throughout those that have followed Christ or have been leaders, I've actually seen a couple examples. One of them is St. Francis of Assisi. Have you ever heard of that name before? St. Francis was so in the end of poverty that anything he had, he would just sell it, give it away to the poor. And to the point where his father was, was wealthy and said, I'm not going to keep giving you money if you keep giving it away. And so what St. Francis did, this is how the story goes, true story, he took off all his clothes and he gave them all to his father and he left and he ran off naked into the woods. And then he just picked up his life and continued. That's a true story. So, so that's that end of it. And then I'm reading reports that Creflo wants a $65 million airplane. And so we could see these extremes. But where does wisdom come in? Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is my portion. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. When Jesus said those words to his followers, you, you need to know that he could say our daily bread, those three words, and it hearkened all the way back to a story that was very famous among everyone that was listening, a story that's very famous to us. It goes out when you look throughout history. It's one of the defining moments in the story of the Bible. In God's story, it's one of the high points. It's whenever we see God come into Egypt where people are living in slavery, where people are oppressed, where their lives are being neglected, where they're being treated as less than. And God says this, I've heard the cries of my children 
And like a father, I'm going to come rescue them. And I'm going to lead them to a new land, a land that's flowing with milk and honey, a land of great provision, a land of great increase, a land where they will not be able to do anything but know that I have been faithful, a land where there will be no need anymore. That was his promise. But somewhere between the promise and the payoff, there was a process, and that was called the desert, the wilderness. And so the people were set free. They saw God's mighty hand. They saw his outstretched arm. They saw him literally split the sea. And they walked through it on dry ground. And yet as they get into the wilderness, it only takes a couple of days of their bellies grumbling. They're ready to trade it all in. Exodus chapter 16 tells the tale of how they're in the wilderness. Something starts to be revealed in the story. You see, God did a fantastic job. He did a marvelous and miraculous job at getting them out of Egypt. There was one issue, though. They couldn't get Egypt out of themselves. He got them out of Egypt. They couldn't get Egypt out of them. And therefore, their hearts were still looking back. They had been set free, to, set free but their freedom was not as important as a great meal one day. And so there they are, grumbling in the wilderness. And here's what they say in Exodus chapter 16, verse 3. The sons of Israel said to them, what that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat with pots of meat and we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. They said we would have been better off just dying in Egypt. At least then we'd have pots full of meat and we'd have bread enough to fill us but you brought us out here in the wilderness to kill us with hunger. So these people, they're hungry. They're hungry. And I'm gonna tell you, there, there are four times that you don't wanna bother someone. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, right? Halt. Our premarital counselor taught us that, Mandy and I, we use it a lot. We feel like we're being sharp, like, all right, am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? If you're all four of them, just watch out. It's like, it's like a nuclear war, you know? You gotta be careful. And so... With that, God, God brought them to a place and he wasn't going to leave them abandoned. I want you to know it doesn't matter what wilderness you're in, God hasn't left you. He hasn't abandoned you. He won't forsake you. And so as they're there, the Lord begins to speak. In verse four, here's what he says to Moses. Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. Doesn't that sound great? They're hungry. I'm going to rain bread from heaven and the people shall go out, and they are to gather. Here's the thing, though. They're to gather a day's portion every day. That I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. And on the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So on that sixth day, they gather two days' worth so that they could rest. They could rest in me on that seventh day and not have to go out. And every day, as the people saw that, it came down. You want to know what happened the first day? They went crazy. They went crazy, and they're like, give me all the bread. I'm hungry. Give me all the No, you're only supposed to take one. Yeah. Yeah, just like work with a group of people and tell them they're only to have, to have one of something. They find all kinds of loopholes. This is for my aunt. Where's your aunt? Uh, you don't know her. Miriam, my aunt. She's like over there. So they take it. They hoard it. They bring it in in their hearts are being disobedient to God. 
And won't you know, how many of you know a thing or two about expiration dates on food? How many of you are, are of that? I know there gotta be enough people here. I, I would love to see your hands. Um, how many of you would say, that expiration date, that's really just a suggestion. <laughs> Is there anyone that lives that way? <laughs> I see Chris. <laughs> Chris, our business administrator. Just so you know, to check everything, no. <laughs> no, uh, Chris works with all our operations and, uh, and I've seen that, we're cleaning up the thing, we're looking at it, all right, looks good. In others, it's law of the land. How many of you live in a home that is divided by it being the suggestion and the law of the land? Well, we'll do some counseling for, for those children there. So the biggest arguments are, no, 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 they, they tell you that, there's three extra days on top of whatever it says. Or no, it's law, it's going out. Now, some of you, you're so much of a stickler that the sell-by date becomes the expiration date. Be careful of that. Because some things they mark on the day you bought it as the sell-by date. And you're like, oh, no, it says sell-by date. I got to get rid of it. No, you still got a little bit of time. Well, you need to know that this provision had an expiration date that day. Nothing could last beyond it. And as the people took and they thought they knew best and they trusted in the provision, trusted that they could gather enough to have it, they literally sat there and watched as it rotted away in front of them and was filled with maggots. They could not consume it beyond what God had appointed for that provision. So they learned that lesson the hard way to the point where they almost lost their lives. God threatened to, to end them because this wasn't just about them stealing some bread. It was about them not learning and passing the test. The test of do I trust God as my provider or do I not? God said this, I will give you a daily portion of bread and therefore you take a daily portion, no more, no less. I'm gonna provide it right there for you. But they say, what if God doesn't come through one day? What if he doesn't show up? We gotta take more. I gotta have something to fall back on. When you need something to fall back on, it's because you don't fully trust whatever it is that's providing. Come on, someone. You put something away to fall back on because you say, I don't fully trust that I'll always have a job. I put something away because I don't fully trust in the economy. I don't fully trust in whatever. But I'm gonna tell you something. It might work in all of those situations and that's prudent and wise, but it never works when you say, I don't know if I fully trust God, so I'm gonna, don't do that. That's a recipe for disaster. And we learn that as we look in God's word. What if you don't provide though? God, I need to take care of it. I need to provide for myself. And so they become so fixated on the provision that they miss the provider. Come on, they miss the provider because they're too focused on the provision. They can't get their eyes off of it and it's just bread from heaven. That's all, just bread that rains down from heaven. And they can't see past it to what God was really trying to show them. And I want to tell you something today that when we have a, a world full of so much and a life that's so crowded with the latest and greatest, we have so much in all of our pantries, so much in our fridges, so much in our bank accounts, so, so much that we have accrued compared to how most of the world is living today. It can be so easy for us to lose sight of what it really means to trust God daily. There's something that's been happening in my home for the last month, let's say. And this is kind of uh, something I, just, I need your parenting advice for. Um, my daughter, I think we bought her about 125,000 stuffed animals. I've uh, received them as gifts. Uh, toys, we have rooms full of toys. We have everything she could want. 
Sometimes two of everything that you want in certain cases, in case one of them breaks, I guess. I don't know. So Lily has all those things. But here's what happens and it's been happening in my home for the last little while. Um, Lily wakes up, she goes, she eats breakfast, she then goes and it's time for her to play with her toys. But she doesn't play with her toys. She goes around, she goes, finds her way into the kitchen when we're not paying attention. She goes into our pantry and she comes out, not with a stuffed animal, but with a loaf of bread. I'm serious, look at this picture. This is what my wife finds most days. And she has this loaf of bread, it's not because she's hungry. She just likes to hug it and hold it because it feels like a stuffed animal. So she hugs it and squeezes it and carries it around like, like it's her best friend. Like it's like we got her a teddy bear and she liked it for a while, but now she treats the bread like it's her teddy bear. And that's difficult for my wife who's trying to make peanut butter sandwiches for her and they're all squished down because Lily hugged them so much. And so we're, you know, we're, it's like hard to be mad at her. <laughs> we're just like laughing about it. Um, and I'm like, what is the deal with this? And as I was thinking about it this week, and I'm thinking, my daily bread, I, I just thought this in my heart, and this became my prayer. Lord, would you teach me to love the daily bread you provide me, like my daughter loves this loaf of bread every day? Lord, would you give me an appreciation for something I don't even pay attention to? Would you just teach me what it means to love it like that again? Because I really believe, deep in my heart, that's what the Lord wants of us, to look to him. See, the Lord was ultimately doing this as a test. He said that. It's good whenever the teacher announces the test beforehand, right? If the teacher hands you something and you're like, well, I don't know what this is. And oh, that was actually a test. That's like 95% of your grade. Oh, <laughs> I made it into an airplane. <laughs> but he announced the test ahead of time. I'm going to test them in this way. Will they walk in my instructions? Will they walk in an active trust? Will they walk by faith, not just by sight? Sight says, here's bread, take bread. Faith says, my God is my provider. And even if I don't see it or understand it, I'm going to trust it. And so, so that's, what, that's what we're trusting in is, do they trust me? Do they actually hold on to my, my word? Do they hold on to my word as enough? When you put faith in something, you're putting faith in their word that they will come through, that they will follow through on whatever it is that they're promising to deliver on. I've thought about this because, I, like I said, once the manna shows up, people start to go crazy. Once the bread shows up, you see it there, but as things show up, as stuff shows up, as, as free stuff or the idea of winning shows up, people start to kind of lose their minds, I think. And uh, you'll see it because this last week was, what was it, 1.6, 1.7 million dollars, billion, with billion with a B for the Powerball. Did anyone win? No? Hmm. Okay, that's unfortunate. Well, some of you, you know, you could have won because on Facebook, uh, I saw these things showing up where people were putting their Powerball ticket, taking a picture of it, posting it on their wall and saying, I just purchased a, a Powerball ticket. Now, if I win, I'm going to give away part of the proceeds to every person that shares this. And so I see all these people sharing it because, you know, Fred from Wisconsin or whatever is going to share with them part of his winnings. Um, I don't think Fred won or whoever shared that uh, ahead of time. And if he did win, I don't think you were going to see any of it. I don't think you could take him at his word on that. But I want you to know something. We have a God who can supply every need. whose word is final. Someone's word is only as good as their ability to follow through on it. We have a God who is faithful. As Joshua stood at the end of his life, here's what he said. He said, not one of God's good promises has ever failed. He's faithful. 
Have you seen the faithfulness of God in your life? If you haven't seen it yet, trust him. He's standing there, he's waiting. For some of us, we haven't seen the faithfulness of God in our lives because we're trusting more in ourselves and in our provision than we are in our provider. Come on. We're trusting more in the provision than in the provider. God blessed you. God gave you the job. God supplied your need. But guess what? At some point in time, you took your eyes off of the God who provided it and you look to the thing that's being provided and you start putting your hope in that and you start trusting in that and you start building that. But I want you to know something today. It could be a moment. It has an expiration date. Everything we accrue in this world, it has an expiration date. For us, it might be our expiration date or another, but it will always expire. Jesus said, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth's gonna come in, where rust will destroy, corrode, fade away. Store up treasures in heaven where none of those things can happen. That can't come unless you're trusting God with everything. So the Lord asks, do you trust me? Do you trust me as your provider? He goes on to explain in Deuteronomy chapter eight why they walked through this very trial. Deuteronomy 8.3, it says this, the Lord humbled you and let you be hungry. He fed you with manna that you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live on bread alone, but man lives on everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He said, look, it doesn't, you don't live on what you think you live on. You live on the promises and the faithfulness of God, on his word, your daily bread. Jeremiah said, I found your words and I ate them. I mean, I consumed them, I trusted in them. You need to trust that God's word can do more for you than a five-star meal can to nourish you. God's word is more true than anything you have in front of you that you may feel is here because I'll tell you something, it's here today but it's gone tomorrow, right? It fades. He said this, we don't live on bread alone, we live on everything that proceeds from the mouth of God. His word is of most importance Jesus is led out into the wilderness in Matthew chapter four and it's there that he's fasting 40 days, 40 nights. He's fasting. He's withholding from taking in any food. So could you imagine that he becomes hungry? Yes, the word says he became hungry. Even Jesus, the son of God, was hungry. He felt what you and I feel. He was tempted, the Bible says, like you and I were tempted. And here's the temptation that came to Jesus. Satan shows up and says to him, you're hungry. I know you're hungry. But in a word, you could turn that stone into bread and you can eat it right now. Go do it. And Jesus had to realize in that moment, is it about my will or his will? And here's what he says back. He shoots right back with God's word. And that's a great way for you to combat temptation. Come back with God's word. Man doesn't live on bread alone, he said. But every word that comes from the mouth of God, that's my sustenance today. I'm holding on to his promises. I'm trusting him completely. And what Jesus was doing during the temptation, many people don't pick up on this, but he was actually going back and almost reliving what the children of Israel went through in the wilderness. This was the first area that they didn't trust God. And Jesus went through each of those temptations and he won. He was victorious over them, showing how he would conquer Satan, how he would ultimately be the one that would bring us life and life more abundantly. And he gave us an example that we should follow. See, man will not live on bread alone, but it'll live on an abiding trust of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse 17 says this, going on. He says this, all this happened 
Because if it didn't happen, you would say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand has made this wealth. Here's what ultimately God was saying to his people. I'm preparing you for a place. I'm preparing a place for you and I'm preparing you for that place. Some of us, we think that, that, we're, that God's preparing a place for us, but he doesn't have any work to do yet in us. Yes, he does. He's preparing us for that place as well. And part of that is a transformation of who we are, transformation of our hearts. And he was bringing his people to a promised land. And he said, you needed to get it in the wilderness. You needed to get it when you didn't have anything. You needed to get that I'm your provider because then one day you'll show up there and here's what you're gonna say in your heart. It's because of my strength and my power and the work of my hands that I have this. He said, because it's not the right thing because I'm the one that's provided for you. Trust him as your provider with a little. Some of you, you've known how to do that. Learn how to trust him when you have a lot. Learn him how to trust you when you're walking in the blessing and the provision. Learn how to trust him and say, Lord, you're my provider today. I know all this stuff is around me, but Lord, I dig down to the depths of it and I say, ultimately, I'm coming back to you every day for my daily bread. I'm not fixating on everything that's here. I'm fixating on you and your word and what you'll have for me today because I can't live without it. That's the great deception is that you could live without God and his daily bread because you have something else that could satisfy you. That will never truly satisfy you. Just as you saw in the skit that started us out today and the worship team can come, whenever we live on anything but that which God provides, whenever we overextend and we chase after what this world would say is most important, we find ourselves filled with anxiety and it says this in, in, in Proverbs chapter 12, it says that anxiety weighs a heart down, leads you into depression. Some of you are walking through depression, you're walking through hopelessness, you're walking through these seasons because so much has piled on. You've been chasing after so many things and can't find contentment. Let God's word lift you today. Let God's word fill you with joy. The greatest two commandments that were given Love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love our neighbor as ourself. When we don't trust God as our provider, when we trust in the provider more than the provision, then it puts everything in the right place. We're able to love God with everything that we are. But when we're trusting and looking at the provision over the provider, do you know what it does? It takes that first place that God is meant to be in, puts him somewhere else. And Jesus said this, you can't serve God and money. You can't do that. You're gonna love one and hate the other. And so what happens whenever we chase after the provision, whenever we fixate on the provision over trusting in the provider, we don't look to God as we should. And people around us, they become our competition, right? They become someone that we need to overcome, someone that we need to trample over, someone that we need to walk on top of so that we can get ahead. It changes everything. We're not loving God like we should. We're not loving our neighbor as we should because we're so caught up in the race. If you want a picture of that, What's lived out, you don't have to look any further than the day after Thanksgiving every year as stores are opening and waffle irons are going on sale and people are literally almost losing their lives. Look at, look at, look at a real video, piece of footage from what happens when they open up a bag full of $10 things that people could buy on Black Friday. This is how far we've come, church, from trusting God for our daily bread. 
This is how consumed we can become. He's drawing us back, isn't he? Jesus is teaching us what's most important. It doesn't matter what you feel like you have in this life. If you're not coming to him for that daily provision, if you're not putting your trust in him daily to provide for you everything, to thank him for what he's done, to trust him for what he will do, and to be a faithful steward of what he's given you. That's what it's all about. So would you bow your heads and your hearts with me today? Lord, bring us back to that place of childlike faith, that deep love, that deep sense of gratitude for our daily bread. Lord, you're such a giving God. Lord, you didn't just give us life. You gave us your son, Jesus, who died for us that we could be set free. Today, if you're here and you can hear the sound of my voice and your life has been weighed down and today you don't have peace with God, I want you to know he's given the greatest gift to you. He's given his son. Jesus came and he died for your sins. So the weight of your sin, the weight of your guilt, the weight of your shame, you don't have to carry it anymore. You could be set free today. But it requires that you allow your heart to be made right with God. And I don't know the condition of your heart. I don't know the condition of your life, but you do. You know it every night before you go to sleep. You, you know if you're at peace with God or not today. And today, if you're not, I just want to give you an opportunity to make the greatest decision you ever make, a decision to put Jesus first, a decision to follow him with your life, to turn from your sins and your past and begin to follow him. So today, I'm going to invite you just to say a prayer right with me. And if you're saying this for the first time, say it from the bottom of your heart to invite Jesus to come and be your Lord and your Savior. Pray with me, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I know that I've fallen away. I know that I've turned from you. But I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again. And today I give you my life. I give you my sin. I turn away from it. I ask for your forgiveness and I walk in that forgiveness. Help me to walk every day and the strength you provide. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I'm just believing today that some people that are here said that for the very first time. And I'd ask you to do something today if that was you. Would you be bold enough to just make that known that today was the day that you decided to follow Jesus? Jesus said, if you declare me publicly in front of men, I will declare you before my Father. In decisive moments, defining moments, they call for decisive actions. And so today's the day that you said, I've decided to follow Jesus. This is that day. I want you to lift your hand right above your head if that's you. Right where you're at, lift your hand right above your head if it was the first time you said that prayer. In church, let's celebrate with them. Is there anyone here? If that's you, no need to be embarrassed at all. If that was you, lift your hand above your head. High above your head. Ushers, look around. If someone raised their hand around you, we're gonna give you a special gift we have for you. If we didn't get to you or didn't see you, then please come up here. We have this special book that's right here. It's for you to begin your relationship with God. We want you to take that as a gift today. We'd love the chance to pray with you at these altars. Would you stand with me, church? Today's the day for us to come before the Lord, to put him back in that first place, to trust him as our provider of everything. And today, you alone know where you are with that. You know the business that you would have to do with the Lord today. And if you just need him to change your perspective, if you just need to come back and you just need to rest in his presence, whatever it might be, during this last song, I want to invite you to respond to what God's doing in your heart. Don't let this moment pass you by. 
We're going to have some prayer workers that are here, but you can come just like they did in last service and just find yourself at this altar, spending time with God, calling out to Him, saying, Lord, I need you. I need what you could provide, not what this world has to offer. Lord Jesus, go with us today, we pray. Lord, help us to seek you first. Lord, help us to trust you, to give us this day our daily bread. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's respond to the Lord together.